Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 55, recorded here on March 12, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, we got a lot to cover this week, a lot going on, so... uh, uh, we'll jump right in. First, with the market update. Stocks ended their worst week so far this year with a fourth straight day of losses, and U.S. Treasuries and gold soared in a flight to quality after federal regulators closed tech-focused lender Silicon Valley Bank on Friday in the biggest U.S. bank failure since 2008. Regional bank stocks plunged, with the top S&P regional banking ETF sinking 16% on the week, its worst showing since March 2020 at the start of the pandemic. The turmoil in bank stocks overshadowed the February jobs report, which offered some hints that inflation may be easing as employee wages increased less than expected. For the week, the Dow Jones average fell 4.4%, the S&P 500 slipped 4.5%, and the NASDAQ composite lost 4.7%. Looking ahead, the week ahead is expected to see more drama over the collapse of SVB Financial Group and the implications for the banking sector and venture capital ecosystem. Economic releases will also dominate the conversation about stocks next week with the next Federal Reserve meeting rapidly approaching. The headliner will be the Consumer Price Index report for February with a slight moderation in the year-over-year inflation rate to 5.5% to 5.6%. Meanwhile, producer prices are forecast to decelerate to a 0.3% month-over-month gain from 0.7% in January. Updates on the Empire Manufacturing Survey and latest retail sales are both anticipated to show an economic slowdown, while industrial production is forecast to see a bump higher, and the Philadelphia Fed business outlook is seen improving. The upshot is that reports together should be the swing factor on whether the Federal Reserve looks to raise its benchmark interest rate by 25 points or 50 points at the FOMC meeting on March 21st and 22nd. Outside of the Fed drama, FedEx is the big heavyweight earnings report of the week, with the shipping giants forecast holding sway over a number of sectors. Other key earnings reports out during the week will include updates from Adobe, Dollar General, Lennar, and Xpeng. Um, And that's pretty much it. So the Silicon Valley Bank... um, Closure by regulators is definitely the big story, and so I've got a few articles uh, talking about that and some of the uh, ancillary uh, damage that's uh, happened as a result of that, mostly affecting stable coins. And uh, late breaking news: there was a statement put out by the uh, joint statement put out by the Treasury um, and the Federal Reserve Board of Governors and the uh, Treasury Secretary uh, on what their plan is. So uh, most people seem to take that as good news. So uh, futures are rallying as a result of that. And uh, maybe Monday won't be so bad. Um, But uh, 
uh, we'll uh, we'll see. So jumping right in here, uh, the first article is from Cointelegraph, March 11th, entitled "Banks Down: That Is Why Bitcoin Was Created." Crypto community says. The Silicon Valley Bank collapse on March 10th has sparked fear, uncertainty, and doubt across the crypto community, leading many to return to crypto roots. Reviving the Bitcoin white paper published just weeks after the Lehman Brothers meltdown in 2008. There's an entire generation of builders who only read about Lehman and the financial crisis and scoffed at Bitcoin. Now their eyes are wide open. Welcome new friends stated Ryan Selkis, founder and CEO of Masari. Approximately six weeks after the dramatic collapse of Lehman Brothers, the fourth largest investment bank in the United States at the time, Satoshi Nakamoto released the now famous white paper paving the way for the emergence of the Bitcoin network. Some people blame the SVB failure on the rising interest rates in the United States. The Federal Reserve increased its benchmark rate over the past year to more than 4.5%, the highest rate since 2007. In January, the inflation rate in the U.S. was 6.4%. Many crypto and tech companies are affected by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. SVB, a federal deposit insurance corporation insured bank, was about to shut down operations when U.S. dollar coin issuer Circle initiated a wire transfer to remove its funds. Circle revealed it could not withdraw $3.3 billion of its $40 billion reserves from SVB, leading to a sell-off and the stablecoin's price dropping below its $1 peg. The stablecoin ecosystem felt an immediate effect as USDC depegged from the U.S. dollar. USDC's collateral influence prompted other stablecoins to depeg from the dollar. DAI, a stablecoin issued by MakerDAO, lost 7.4% of its value due to USDC's depegging, Cointelegraph reported. Other popular stablecoins such as Tether and Binance USD continue to maintain a one-to-one -one peg with the U.S. dollar. Circle said it is now joining other customers and depositors in calling for the continuity of SVB, which the company alleged is important for the United States economy. Circle stated on Twitter that it would follow state and federal regulators' guidance. SVB was shut down by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation for undisclosed reasons on March 10th. The California watchdog appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as the receiver to protect insured deposits. However, the FDIC only insures deposits up to $250,000 per depositor, institution, and ownership category. Uh, next article here, and again, some of this is going to be old news by the time I get to the end of this podcast, but uh, that's how things move nowadays. Uh, this is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted and updated, I guess, a couple hours ago. U.S. Treasury Secretary rules out government bailout of Silicon Valley Bank. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen stated in an interview on CBS News aired Sunday that the government is not considering a bailout for the collapsed Silicon Valley Bank. The bank was shut down by regulators on Friday and put into receivership by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Yellen was asked whether the U.S. government needs to intervene and take emergency measures because of SVB failure. The Treasury Secretary replied, America's economy relies on a safe and sound banking system that can provide for the credit needs of our households and businesses. 
So whenever a bank, especially one like Silicon Valley Bank with billions of dollars in deposits fails, it's clearly a concern. She continued, I've been working all weekend with our banking regulators to design appropriate policies to address the situation. Yellen explained that in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, unique controls were put in place to enhance capital and liquidity supervision, and they were tested during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. The system proved its resilience so Americans can have confidence in the safety and soundness of our banking system, she claimed. Responding to a question about whether she has ruled out a government bailout of Silicon Valley Bank, the Treasury Secretary detailed, let me be clear that during the financial crisis, there were investors and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out and were certainly not looking. And the reforms that have been put in place means that we're not going to do that again. While noting that she cannot provide further details on the SVB situation at this time, Yellen insisted the American banking system is really safe and well capitalized. It's resilient. Yellen acknowledged that the government is well aware that many startup firms have deposits and venture capital firms have deposits at this bank that have been affected by its failure, emphasizing that this is something we're working to try to resolve. Following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, billionaire Bill Ackman, CEO and portfolio manager of Pershing Square Capital Management, warned of vast and profound consequences of the U.S. government allowing the bank to fail without protecting all depositors. He also warned of possible bank runs starting on Monday. Meanwhile, Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki has cautioned that another bank is set to crash. And again, there'll be more updates later on this, but uh, that was Treasury Secretary Yellen. Uh, moving on, next article here from Bitcoin.com. Um, this was also updated about four hours ago. Uh, report Silicon Valley Bank under FTIC auction as calls for bailout grow. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has caused a significant stir in the United States as many believe it has revealed a weakness in the U.S. banking system. However, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has maintained that the system is resilient and safe and well capitalized. According to a recent Bloomberg report, an auction for SVB began on Saturday evening and final bids will be selected on Sunday. Anonymous sources cited by Bloomberg say the FDIC is working swiftly to sell off SVB assets before branches open on Monday. The report states that the final bids are due by Sunday afternoon with the final decision potentially not being announced until Sunday evening. Bloomberg contributor Matthew Monks attempted to contact the FDIC for comment but was unable to reach anyone outside of their normal business hours. The failure of SVB has sparked a significant debate over whether the bank will receive a bailout. However, based on Yellen's statements, it appears that a bailout is not being considered. Many tech founders and venture capitalists, including Galaxy Digital's Mike Novogratz, Y Combinator's Gary Tan, and Kraft Ventures' David Sachs are calling for a federal bailout. Billionaire Bill Ackman, the CEO of Pershing Square Capital Management, has emphasized the need for a bailout warning of more bank runs by Monday if action is not taken. In response to the situation, hundreds of venture capitalists and funds in the U.S. and the U.K. have issued a statement expressing their hope that the bank will be appropriately capitalized. Okay, next up is also from Bitcoin.com. Uh, this was also updated about 19 hours ago, it says. 
Circle issues update amid stablecoin volatility. Firm is prepared to, quote, stand behind USDC and cover any shortfall. And again, this was kind of an interesting sidebar on the whole SVB failure in that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, US dollar coin broke the peg of the dollar because a lot, a good chunk of their collateral was uh, at the bank and not knowing how it was going to be resolved, obviously cast a lot of uncertainty on whether or not um, uh, people who hold US dollar coin are actually holding you know, a dollar or 75 cents. So, um, uh, so this goes on to say circle the issuer of the second largest stable coin by market capitalization, USD coin, USDC addressed the public on Saturday, noting that the firm will be ready on Monday to handle significant volume. The company discussed the failure of Silicon Valley bank and also emphasized the USDC's strong liquidity and reserve assets. On Monday, the stablecoin issuer noted USDC will remain redeemable one for one with the US dollar. While USD coin is a crypto asset that operates 24-7 on various blockchains, Circle emphasized that issuance and redemption is constrained by the working hours of the US banking system. Circle's stablecoin USDC dropped to a low of 87.7 cents per unit on Saturday, March 11, 2023, at 3.02 a.m. Eastern Time. Following the announcement from Circle, USDC managed to rise 10% higher, and at 4.15 p.m., the stablecoin was swapping for 97.1 cents per coin. In addition to USDC, five other stablecoin assets deviated from their $1 parity on Saturday. Circle said that while 3.3 billion in USDC cash reserves are held at SBB, the company initiated transfers of the funds to other banks, and it remains confident in the FDIC's management of the SVB situation and stands ready to receive these funds. The stablecoin issuer further noted that it has reason to believe that under applicable FDIC policy, Transfers initiated prior to a bank entering receivership would have otherwise been pro processed normally. Circle continued. In other words, the FDIC should allow transactions to settle in the ordinary course through the end of a bank's standard daily processing cycle until the FDIC takes control of the failed institution. However, Circle does address a negative scenario where SVB may not become whole and the company's return may take time. Circle stressed that if that were to happen, it would still stand behind the stablecoin it issues. In such a case, Circle, as required by law under stored value money transmission regulation, will stand behind USDC and cover any shortfall using corporate resources involving external capital if necessary, the company's update concludes. Uh, so that's the situation with Circle, although uh, it's probably improve you know the situation certainly improved for all of this uh, uh, based on uh, the announcement that came out uh, uh, actually just just a few minutes ago uh, moving on this uh, this one here is coindesk uh, and this was posted on March 12th today USDC volatility lifts Bitcoin's coinbase premium to three-year high <clears throat> the crisis at Silicon Valley Bank and the resulting volatility in the world's second largest dollar peg stablecoin, USD coin, 
USDC has Bitcoin trading at relatively higher prices on crypto exchange Coinbase. Data tracked by analytics firm CryptoQuant shows Bitcoin's Coinbase premium index, which measures the spread between Bitcoin's US dollar denominated price on US-based Coinbase and Bitcoin's tethered denominated price on offshore giant Binance, rose to 0.8, the highest since March 2020. Bitcoin trading at a premium on Coinbase is often taken to represent stronger buying pressure from stateside institutions and sophisticated traders. This time, however, the premium likely represents the discount or flight from USDC. Bitcoin's price on Coinbase became sensitive to USDC volatility since the exchange in July last year merged its order book, consisting of USDC as the base currency with the USD order book. Users can deposit USDC on Coinbase, but it enters the order book as USD. Supporting the argument that Bitcoin's current dollar-denominated price on Coinbase stems from the USDC discount is the fact that the BTC-USDT pair on Coinbase trades pretty much in line with prices on other offshore exchanges. Because USDC is trading below its peg, BTC appears more expensive on Coinbase. Pseudonymous DeFi researcher Ignas told Coindesk, therefore, the spot market for BTC needs to be adjusted to reflect the current USDC price. USDC fell as low as 90 cents late Friday, deviating from its one-to-one-dollar peg after its issuer Circle Internet Financial confirmed holding $3.3 billion in cash at the crisis-stricken Silicon Valley Bank. The news triggered a rotation of money out of USDC and into other assets, with Circle processing more than $1 billion in net redemptions. At press time, USDC had bounced to around 95 cents. Bitcoin at press time had rebounded to 21,100 versus a low of roughly 19,600 touched on Friday. When news broke that Circle's funds were stuck on in Silicon Valley Bank, users rushed to redeem their USDC for USD, Ignis said. On Coinbase, users could redeem one USDC for $1, but Coinbase suspended conversions over the weekend when banks are closed, which worsened the situation, leaving traders with no option but to liquidate holdings in the spot market. There's no USDC market on Coinbase, so the BTC-USD market is effectively acting as the BTC-USDC market. Interesting. And then uh, moving on here, this is uh, an opinion piece that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh... This is George Kaloudis. Um, this is from Coindesk. Uh, I do enjoy his pieces. And this one here is called, Who Failed Silicon Valley Bank Depositors? And it starts out, well, yeah. So the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation closed Silicon Valley Bank Friday and appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as receiver. Silicon Valley Bank was a $200 billion bank with over $170 billion in total deposits. This is the biggest U.S. bank failure since Washington Mutual Bank in 2008, whose assets were eventually mostly sold to J.P. Morgan Chase after the FDIC took it over. And as an aside, I remember that because I banked at Washington Mutual and I was freaking out when uh, it got taken over and I ended up opening up an account at at um, Wells Fargo, not knowing that they were going to be sold for a dollar to J.P. Morgan Chase, um, and uh, I 
suppose even if I did know that, I probably wouldn't have waited. Uh, just the idea of not having a bank account is, you know, troubling. And um, certainly that was, you know, early in the great financial crisis in uh, in 2008. And uh, ironically, that's that's what got me started uh, with financial blogging and, and uh, ultimately led me to Bitcoin, which is kind of interesting. So uh, a lot of similarities uh, between what happened back then and what's happening now. Um, and only time will tell to see how this resolves itself. But uh, um, my my memory of those days is still uh, still very strong. Okay, jumping back into the article here, the FDIC said in its SVB press release that depositors will have full access to their insured funds by Monday morning. Insured funds being the first two hundred fifty thousand in a depositor's account. Everything in excess of 250000 will become available to customers as the bank's assets are sold off to other banks and financial institutions. If you're thinking, hold on a second, SVB was a $200 billion bank. Surely it has relatively big companies as depositors who have more than $250,000 deposited with them. Then I applaud you because, yes, they do. Of course they do. There's a lot to unpack here, and the full story is far from even beginning. But going into the weekend, there's one important thing we should think about and make abundantly clear. Who's to blame here? Right off the bat, here's who's not to blame, the depositors. You will undoubtedly read suggestions that SVB failed because it was a bank of choice for VC-backed Silicon Valley technology businesses, many of which are questionably capitalized and horribly unprofitable. You know, the company that's like Uber for your Salesforce or whatever. Yes, SVB was tech forward, and while not necessarily crypto friendly, it did bank crypto hedge funds and VCs like Blockchain Capital, Castle Island Ventures, Dragonfly, and Pantera. Oh, and even CoinDesk. SVB didn't fail because any of these businesses, even though it might make sense to be critical of depositor concentration in most cases, that didn't apply here. If you're inclined to point at VCs, maybe point at Peter Thiel founded Founders Fund, which advised companies to pull money from SVB amid concerns about its financial stability. In doing so, it managed to stoke fear among investors and sparked a good old-fashioned bank run, which as mean old Mr. Potter did to Bailey Pudding and Loan in It's a Wonderful Life. Sure, the SVB bank run only happened because depositors asked for their money back, but I'm hesitant to point at the depositors. After all, they didn't have a passionate George Bailey, played by the wholesome everyman Jimmy Stewart, imploring them to reconsider for the good of their fellow investors. Of course, Founders Fund isn't exactly old man Potter. It didn't wake up and decide it wanted to tank SVB, and the idea that VCs intentionally tanked SVB to encourage the use of the fintech companies they own is a little far-fetched, even for me. Founders Fund was worried about something. What it was worried about was SVB's failed capital raise, which somehow only happened in the last 36 hours or so. SVB was running into some issues with its liquidity. If that means nothing to you, here's the short. Customers deposit money into SVB. SVB takes that money and invests it in treasuries. Those treasuries change in value depending on market conditions. The treasuries SVB bought were long dated, so they were falling in value. The fall in value is precarious for the financial position of SVB. 
From that crude explanation, you should have one takeaway. SVB bought treasuries that lost value as the U.S. Federal Reserve increased interest rates. That would normally be fine and dandy unless a, a bunch of depositors want their money back at the same time, which, as we laid out above, is what happened. As you go into the weekend, know that smart people or those who know jargon or read this column will call SVB's experience with the declining value of their treasuries duration risk. If you're hesitant to point fingers at depositors of the VCs that egged on the bank run, I don't blame you. You could instead look at SVB and the Fed. First and foremost, there was mismanagement of risk by SVB, which very clearly bought the wrong financial instruments with deposits. If it hadn't, it wouldn't have been raising capital. But in defense of SVB, a very flimsy defense to be sure, the Fed has raised interest rates by a multiple of almost 20 in the space of about a year. So while SVB made some bad bets, the responsibility for those bad bets should also sit with the Fed for raising interest rates so quickly. How ironic, while trying to do something about high inflation, the Fed instead inadvertently started tanking banks that are invested heavily in treasuries. Lastly, and I'll repeat this to make it as clear as possible, this is not crypto's fault. It's not crypto's fault because the collapse of SVB would have happened no matter what the bank's depositor mix was. The risk management decisions SVB made with customer deposits were made without consideration for what the depositors were in the business of doing. It's not crypto's fault, just like it's not any other industry's fault, except, of course, the banking industry. And then uh, moving on here with the late breaking news. So this was uh, released at 6.15 p.m. Uh, today. Uh, and this is a joint statement by the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC. Uh, the following statement was released by the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet L. Yellen, Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome H. Powell, and FDIC Chairman Martin Grunberg. Today, we are taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy by strengthening public confidence in our banking system. This step will ensure that the U.S. banking system continues to perform its vital roles of protecting deposits and providing access to credit to households and businesses in a manner that promotes strong and sustainable economic growth. After receiving a recommendation from the boards of the FDIC and the Federal Reserve and consulting with the president, Secretary Yellen approved actions enabling the FDIC to complete its resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, Santa Clara, California, in a manner that fully protects all depositors. Depositors will have access to all of their money starting Monday, March 13th. No losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. We are also announcing a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank, New York, New York, which was closed today by its state chartering authority. All depositors of this institution will be made whole. As with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. So this, again, is late breaking news that another bank failed. Uh, shareholders and certain unsecured debt holders will not be protected. Senior management has also been removed. Any losses to the deposit insurance fund to support uninsured depositors will be recovered by a special assessment on banks as required by law. Finally, the Federal Reserve Board on Sunday announced it will make available additional funding to eligible depository institutions to help assure banks have the ability to meet the needs of all their depositors. 
the U.S. banking system remains resilient and on a solid foundation, in large part due to reforms that were made after the financial crisis that ensured better safeguards for the banking industry. Those reforms combined with today's actions demonstrate our commitment to take the next necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings remain safe. And going back to the previous paragraph, what they mean by additional funding, uh, what I read is that um, uh, instead of having to sell their treasuries, if a bank needs to raise additional funds uh, to, to pay um, depositors who are trying to withdraw their funds, uh, instead of selling and taking the losses, they're able to uh, basically uh, post their portfolio, their bonds, uh, as collateral um, to the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve will basically give them the money, um, and then they won't have to sell the, the bonds. And they, they have to pay interest on it, but it's, uh, I was reading somewhere, it's like 5%, so, you know, it's it'll hit the bank's uh, income statement, obviously, but uh, it's a lot better than going out of business. So um, that's how they're going to hopefully backstop these two banks, but then also, uh, or actually, for these two banks, they're they're basically um, the fund will cover you know all the all the depositors. But if any other banks that are not have not failed uh, are need money to pay depositors, they can they can use this facility. So, uh, interesting thing though is that obviously the bonds that the that the Federal Reserve is receiving are being um, credited at par, uh, even though they're probably worth a lot less on the books of the uh, bank because uh, because interest rates have gone up so much relative to what the, they were paying when those bonds were issued. Not sure who's ultimately going to take the loss on that, but uh, I would think if the bank didn't repay the loan and the Federal Reserve got to keep the collateral and then had to sell it, they would take the loss. So um, not exactly money printing, but uh, it's certainly um, an interesting setup. And, uh, you know, we'll see if this calms people down uh, on Monday. Uh, we'll see. I mean, right now, looking at the futures, um, they're all green. Dow Jones is up 203 points. S&P's up almost 1%. Nasdaq's up 1%. Gold's up. Silver's up. Uh, even uh, Bitcoin's up 2% at 21,833. It was down around 19,000. So um, it's uh, plenty of liquidity. That's uh, That's what that's telling us, I think. So we'll see again how things go next week. It's a lot of news and uh, uh, coming up, and so we'll see where where things land. And then, lastly, just want to mention my blog post. Of course, a lot of this is probably old news now, but um, I put together uh, a series of tweets that I retweeted on my um, on Twitter that uh, were helpful, I think, in understanding. Um, what's going on here with the Silicon Valley Bank. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Um, I did put a link, uh, or we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but there's uh, 
some interesting takes on all this. And of course, now we know what the resolution is. Um, you know, there's a, certainly a lot less uncertainty. But again, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the when the markets uh, open on Monday, and also uh, what happens to the uh, other regional banks that uh, potentially will have to uh, maybe use this facility. So I think the utilization of the facility that the Fed put in place will be will be interesting to watch as well. Okay. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. I'm on Fountain now, too, so if you're not listening on Fountain, you might want to try that out. You can earn sats just for listening to your favorite podcast. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.